here tonight. It is good to see you uh, in the Lord's house. Uh, how many of you had just a fantastic day today? I mean, absolutely fantastic. I can't stand it anymore. Fantastic day. How many of you like that? Yes, there are some. Yay, amen. Good, good, good. We can rejoice with those that do rejoice. How many of you had a mediocre day? Just, uh, I mean, just, ugh. Just kind of mediocre, you know, just bah. Okay, some of those, all right, okay, 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 okay. How many of you had just an absolute awful day? It was the pits. I mean, oh, oh, oh bless your hearts. <laughs> all right, you saw their hands, you know who to pray for, right? <laughs> oh, my, it's been a day, somebody said. Uh, it's been a good day for the little wife and I. We appreciate uh, the opportunity today. It was a day of study, just taking some time, uh, visiting Scripture and pondering some things that God has said so clearly and uh, examining my own heart and asking the Lord to just challenge me uh, in those regards. And so what a privilege that is uh, to be able to do. Uh, the Lord is so good to us. He loves us so much. and He speaks to us so clearly from his precious old book. And uh, we just have to praise him uh, for his incredible, incredible goodness. Well, tonight, take your Bibles and go with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5. I'd like to give you one of these New Testament commandments uh, that Paul gave that church uh, years and years ago, nearly 2,000 years ago now. And I'd like us to look at it in a fresh way and and we'll look at several verses tonight, so do keep your Bibles handy as we will look at a number of passages, uh, but we'll launch from here and we'll continue to develop the thought that is uh, discovered here, that is conveyed here. First Thessalonians chapter number 5, let's begin reading in verse number 12. The Bible says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Would you pray with me, please? Our Father God, we are grateful for this incredible thought and these verses, these your words, these instructions that you've afforded us. And God, we know that as we practice these things very painstakingly, very intentionally, as we make these a part of our core experience throughout life, that we'll realize the blessings that follow obeying you in these regards. Father, one of these commands you have highlighted for tonight's sermon, I pray 
that you'll give me the grace and strength to follow your lead. I pray that you would speak to the hearts of each of us, Lord. Our need for you is far beyond our understanding of our need. And please meet us where we are. Speak to us clearly. Give birth to this characteristic, this, 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 this trait, this quality. Give birth to it in our hearts. Nurture it there. Grow it in us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look with me again at verse number 18. There the Bible says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you've ever wondered what the will of God is, there are times in Scripture where God just spells it out. Here's one of those places where he just blatantly tells us, frankly conveys to us, this is the will of God. In this instance, in everything, give thanks. I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject of fostering the attitude of gratitude. Fostering the attitude of gratitude. We can become people of thanks, people of appreciation, people of, of a consummate appreciation for the Lord. That is what Paul prescribes here for us in this passage. When I look at this passage, I see several attitudes that should mark believers. Attitudes. An attitude can be anything that is settled in our thinking, in our way of thinking, settled in our way of feeling, and sometimes it also issues into certain actions. An attitude. And in this passage, we find some attitudes. Rejoice evermore in verse number 16, of course, is the attitude of joy. In verse number 17, pray without ceasing. The exercise is prayer, but the attitude is that of trust, dependence upon God. And so the Bible prescribes pray without ceasing. And in verse number 18, it's obvious, in everything give thanks. The attitude is that of thankfulness and thanksgiving, appreciation, gratitude. Attitudes are important to the Lord, aren't they? They are. Since they have to do with our feelings, since they have to do with our thoughts, since they have to do with how we behave, they must be important to the Lord then, right? And so they certainly should be important to you and me. Now we can find all three of these elements of attitudes expressed in this particular passage. I'd like to take some time tonight to commend this quality, this trait, this, this attitude to our hearts. I beg you to give it your undivided attention as much as possible. I believe this will help us as Christians. We must foster this attitude of gratitude. It must be developed. There must be some intentionality behind this. There must be an investment of ourselves, our energies. We must think about it and plan to do it and take action accordingly. Somebody said you can't become holy in a hurry. 
nor can you become holy automatically. There must be, once again, we emphasize this element of intentionality. And so we must foster this attitude of gratitude. Certainly, it's in cooperation with the Spirit of God. Certainly, it's in accordance with the Word of God, but we've got to give ourselves to it. If I were to give you the the message tonight in one phrase, it would be this. We can foster the spiritual attitude of gratitude. Watch it now. Don't miss it. You need to get this part by practicing gratitude. How many of you got that already? That was tough, wasn't it? That's the whole sermon, folks. Thank you for coming tonight. We're going to (laughs) dismiss. No, we don't get off that easy, right? This attitude of gratitude is developed when we practice giving thanks unto the Lord. A very specific focus is is given to us here, and I want to manage developing that very specific focus. Give me just a minute of your time, and I'd like to give this to you in three movements. The first one is this. Gratitude is giving God thanks and giving Him praise. That is what is required in this passage. To give God thanks, to give God praise, to appreciate Him for what He's doing. The Bible uses the word give. The word give tells us that this is an imperative. God is issuing a command. Give thanks. God is telling us, directing us, telling us exactly how to feel, how to think, and how to behave. God is telling us how to live. Let me ask you a question very quickly. Can God tell you what to do? This passage suggests very strongly that God ought to be able to do that and have that role in each of our lives. Because we love Him, we willingly and enthusiastically obey Him, knowing that everything He prescribes for us indeed is for our good, and certainly for his glory. The word give is an imperative. God is directing our behavior. The word give also indicates action is required. In other words, you have to practice gratitude to develop gratitude. I find a place in Scripture where the Apostle Paul literally uh, illustrates this for us. After working through the book of Romans and literally surveying the grand teachings of the Christian faith, all the major doctrines associated with the work of God towards believers, and then looking at how God dealt with Israel and the promise that Israel has in the future as a part of God's plan. Paul stops and he pauses and he says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. In the end of that passage where Paul deals with The fact that God is faithful to His people Israel and will keep His promises to His people Israel. Paul bursts into praise and thanksgiving, celebrating the great nature and character of God. Amen? (laughs) When the Bible tells us to give thanks, it's encouraging us to follow suit 
as we recognize the awesomeness of our great God. What does give indicate? It indicates that we're to practice this thing of thanksgiving. Let's ask another question from this passage. What does thanks mean? How many of you got a good definition to give me tonight? Let's see a show of hands. What does thanks mean? This is not hard now, right? Come on. Come on, it's, it's easy tonight, come on. What does thanks mean, Brother McCray? I'm glad you asked. I love it when congregations ask questions. I love answering them, and you always ask the best questions in the world. So let's answer that very good question. What does thanks mean? Well, it means exactly what you think it means. Now let me read the, the, the definition that I was given here. Gratitude is the natural expression of thanks to God in response to blessings privileges, protection, or love. That's a pretty good definition, wouldn't you agree? It is a natural expression. When we recognize how good God has been, it's natural now to express appreciation towards him for how good he's been towards us. What ways has he been good? Well, there are blessings that he's provided. Privilege affords every one of his children and, of course, you understand that he provides protection and love for you and me. Those are reasons for which we can be thankful. I think all of us can find ourselves in that simple definition as having reason and prompting to be grateful towards the Lord. I went on looking at this idea of thankfulness, and here's what I found with regards to that. I want you to hear this. It is to be conscious of the benefits received. Thankfulness, watch it now, it is to be conscious of the benefits received. In other words, I have turned my attention to note what God did. I'm no longer ignoring it. I'm no longer taking it for granted. I'm no longer, I'm no longer just requiring it. I'm no longer just expecting it. I have turned my attention and noted that God did that. Amen? I've raised it to the level of consciousness. And watch this. This gives birth to a sense of thankfulness in the heart, in the mind, in the spirit of the child of God. And beloved, any contemplation of the goodnesses of God, any meditations on how God has, uh, what God has done for you and me, and all that he means to you and me, all of those kind of meditations will give birth to feelings and thoughts and should issue into actions of thanksgiving as is raised to the conscious level. So what does thanks mean? It means to express that gratitude towards the Lord. And this could be manifested in worship, beloved. It should be a part of our worship to give thanks to the Lord. Amen? That should mark us as we come into the house of God. It should mark us as we participate in the ceremonies and the services and everything that's a part of the church's experience. It should mark us to be thankful and to express that very freely. Every now and then, pastor, I need to be informed as to what real worship looks like. Sometimes you get into churches and they're dead as a hammer, brother. I mean, God ain't moving in that thing at all. You can preach your guts out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> God ain't moving in there at all. <laughs> it says, okay, Lord, I'm going to shut this down. Keep it short tonight because you ain't working. No point in me working. <laughs> I mean, it's just like that sometimes. You understand, right? 
But every now and then I have to go to the Word of God and remind myself what real worship looks like. And so I go all the way to the throne of God itself. Amen? Because surrounding that throne, I find real worship expressed and deep gratitude rising out of God's creation and offered and expressed and given unto Him. In Revelation 4, in verse number 8 through 11, I find such an occasion. I want you to hear the words of this passage. As John records, he says, And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night. Excuse me. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which it was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you see the scene unfolding in heaven itself where these four august creatures representing all creation itself literally give glory and praise unto the Lord, crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, amen, worshiping Him, celebrating Him, thanking Him for being so awesome in His person. And then the 20 and 4 elders literally prostrate themselves before the throne of God, again ascribing to God glory, honor, and power, the One who created all things for His glory. Let the creation celebrate Him in light of His glory. Amen. I see it, beloved. This kind of thing encourages me. When I think and meditate on who God is, it, on who God is, it fuels worship. It ought to, beloved. It enlivens our worship. It informs our worship. We become alive in the faith when we reflect on who God truly is. And when we give thanks, it forces us to note what He's doing, to become conscious of His activity, His administration in and around our lives and through our lives. He's impacting us and we are grateful for it. Amen. So how does one celebrate in this regard? I believe the Bible tells us to give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. So when you ask the question then, as to what does give mean in this passage, and what does thanks mean in this passage? Let's ask a different question. Can we do that? What is the opposite of giving thanks, Brother McCray? Well, that's a good question, too. The answer on that's a little bit harder, though. Because the opposite of gratitude is literally this idea of failing to give note to what God has done or is doing. Discrediting it altogether. Dismissing it. Disregarding it altogether. You find this kind of thing happening in the book of Romans. Would you go there with me, please? Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 21. This should be a very familiar passage uh, to all of us tonight. Allow me to just rehearse just a little bit of it. Romans chapter number 1, verse number 21 begins to document the downfall 
of what we would call the Roman civilization, the Roman Empire, and some of the things that led to its downward spiral and final destruction. And we find that this same pattern can be true in any country, any culture, any governmental system, any nation. It can be true if we fail to do this thing we call being grateful. And in verse number 21 of chapter 1, note what it says. Because that which, because that which they knew, excuse me, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were, what's that next word? Okay. They knew he was God, but they ignored the reality that he was God. They were not grateful for his activities and administrations in their lives. They were not thankful. And the Bible says, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like, uh, uh, made, made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And on and on it goes with this definite decline of a people. Are you hearing it? Where did it all begin, Brother McCray? They had a knowledge of God. They weren't oblivious of Him, but they refused to acknowledge Him as God and worship Him as God. They refused to be appreciative of who He is and what He was doing. That's interesting, isn't it? And it led to the downfall of the Roman Empire. Am I right, preacher? Am I okay here? That's Bible, beloved. Are you hearing me? You say, Brother McCray, is this really serious? I mean... Can, can this be really revival stuff that we really come back to the place where we acknowledge who God is and we become conscious of that and we celebrate and we rejoice and we tell him just how good he is through our expressions of thanksgiving? Yep, it's that important. It's that weighty. It's that significant to you and me. So gratitude, that lack of gratitude, the opposite of gratitude is this idea of being ungrateful with regards to who God is and his activities surrounding our lives. Can I go further with that? It is an attitude of expecting and requiring and demanding more with respect to God and with respect to people. Just requiring more. Didn't pause to say thank you for that. Didn't pause to say I appreciate that. Just expecting more. Can I use my wife for an illustration on this? I have never treated her this way. This is only for illustrative purposes. Understand? <clears throat> you ready, sweetheart? She has no idea what's coming. You got my supper ready? Where's my beans? Where's my vittles? I told you I wanted beans tonight. You got my beans. Oh, good, 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 good. Where's my cornbread? I expected cornbread with my beans. I shouldn't have to tell you I want cornbread with my beans. What goes better together than cornbread and beans? I need my cornbread. Get over there and fix me some cornbread. Make it right. You got my sweet tea? You know, I always have sweet tea with my meal. What is wrong with you? How long have we been together? It's been 30 years. At least you could get my beans right by now. You see how that looks? Expecting more, requiring more, 
demanding more. Haven't once stopped to say, hey, I appreciate you making those beans so well. Haven't stopped once to say, man, that cornbread was spot on, girl. You got it going on with the cornbread. <laughs> Haven't stopped one time to say, oh, that sweet tea is right on the mark, girl. I mean, you got it going on. I love it. Haven't stopped once to do that. She has no sense that I appreciate what she provides for me or the contributions that I make in her life. She has no sense of that because all she gets is more demands, more requirements, and more anger from me when she doesn't produce what I think I deserve. The remarkable thing is we treat God the same way. God, I expect you to do this. I expect you to bless me. I expect you to provide for my needs. I expect, I require that you do this, God. Why aren't you Johnny on the spot with regards to this? And when he doesn't acquiesce to our demands, and when he doesn't facilitate the way we think he should, we get angry at him. Uh, I'm, I'm perhaps preaching to myself tonight, Pastor. <laughs> Probably what this is, you know, ungrateful evangelists come in the town expecting things from everybody, demanding that he be served instead of be a servant. Maybe that's what it is, huh? Maybe there's some truth to what we just said. Our culture has become a culture that just demands more, expects more, requires more, and gets absolutely livid with anger when we don't acquiesce as a nation to their needs. Or requirements. We live in that day. Are you hearing me, beloved? I'm saying we're, we're watching the downfall of a culture because people first fail to see just how good they have it. You understand? How many of you have lived in other countries? More than a few of us. Oh, good, 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 good. I, 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 I. Help me say this right. Pastor, I'm going to be careful. Help me say this right, Lord. I have lived in other countries. I've enjoyed living in other countries. Been in other countries for extended periods of time. Some of those countries were what would be called what we would call developing countries, where there are lots of inconveniences instead of conveniences. But there's a lot of stuff that we take for granted here in the United States of America. They haven't even thought of it there. You take one trip like that and you begin to recognize and understand very clearly just how good we have it here. And it pains me to see people take it for granted and demand more of this and more of that and more of the other thinking that they actually deserve it. Something's wrong with that kind of thinking, beloved. And I'm saying that it leads to the decline of a nation in one way or another. This is an important attitude for Christians, though, to cultivate. When we think in these terms of what it means to be the opposite of grateful, we also think in terms of entitlement and the arrogance that comes with that. And there are many other things that we can say, but let me add one more here. When we fail to be thankful, when we fail to celebrate the presence of God, when we fail to acknowledge the activity of God, when we fail to allow ourselves to reflect on the administrations of God in and with and through and around our lives, when we fail to do that, we tend to see most of the wrong in life as opposed to any good in life. 
Are you following me? Let's work that just a little bit. Okay, I concentrate only on the bad, preacher. Can I do that for a minute? Mm -hmm. Let's concentrate only on the bad. Let's spend all day, sister, thinking only on the bad. That's what we'll do. And then we turn on the news, brother, and we watch more bad. And for the next four hours, we're watching bad, 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 bad. When we come around somebody and talk to them, sister, it's like this. Well, things are bad. Boy, I can't believe how bad things are now, sister. Well, brother, it sure is bad these days. We find ourselves discouraged. We begin to, be, we begin to, be, we begin to spiral down into a sense of hopelessness. We begin to become discouraged. We become frustrated. We become depressed because we've not taken the time to note what good is happening. We keep feeding ourselves the bad and the world makes sure there's enough bad for us to feed on, but we've got to be judicious enough to know that when we celebrate who God is, his administrations, his actions, his actual attention towards us, when we celebrate that, beloved, it makes us aware that there is some good happening, amen, and God is about doing good, and he can handle doing good even in a broken world, and it lifts us up out of that discouragement, frustration, and downcast feeling. Are you with me so far, MLK preacher? But we concentrate on it, and we feed ourselves with it, and we gorge ourselves with the bad, 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 so we become the bad people. And you discover everything that Christians are against. But you'll be hard-pressed to discover what they are for. Try winning the world with that. You just make them mad. And you get mad with them. And you don't even ever get to just tell them about Jesus. Why? Because you're mad with them. You can just go on to hell as far as I'm concerned. Are we visiting okay here tonight? Brother McCray, you can stop now. Mm. Maybe in a minute, right? Maybe in a minute. Paul said, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What else can we see from this passage, Pastor? What else can we see from it? Hmm. I believe there's more for us to meditate on here. Rather quickly, though, not only do we see that gratitude is giving God thanks and praise and celebrating who he is and allowing ourselves to be reminded that he is the reason that there's any hope or any good in this life and in this experience, the second observation is this. Gratitude should be expressed in all circumstances. This is the hard part. Your Bible again says, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Gratitude should 
expressed in all circumstances. The situation is always appropriate to express thanks to God. That's hard to believe, isn't it? But it's true, beloved. If we say in everything, then we mean it really does include all situations, all circumstances can be an opportunity and a prompting to celebrate the hope that God gives no matter how dark the situation is, the good that God brings, gives birth to, no matter how awful the situation may be. And in this life, we can give thanks in everything. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 34 and verse number 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Here you find a psalmist whose heart was absolutely devoted to the idea of praising God and celebrating God and noting the goodnesses of God in his life. And he devoted himself to it. In Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 20, the New Testament is not slow with the mentioning of this either. Paul says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find the Bible prescribes again in all situations, all circumstances, because God is present, because God is active, because God is giving us attention, because God is administrating all things, because God is in charge and on the throne. We have reason and cause to be hopeful and therefore thankful. The Bible says it repeatedly. So in everything really does include all situations and circumstances. This is repeated in other places in Scripture. When we pray, Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse number 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He goes on to say in, Col in Colossians 3 and verse 17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Amen. What an idea. What a concept. Now, why do we need to be reminded so many times, preacher, to give thanks in all things? Why do we need so many promptings to do this? Why is that? Why does God spend so much energy, sister, to convey this to us? I remember for me one time the answer was, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. I've, I've got a clue now. Can I share it with you? How many of you know that we naturally are inclined to fixate on the bad? How many of you know that? Can you recall the last time you got a compliment? Can you recall? How many of you? Just put a show of hands. Last time you received a compliment? Got one person, okay? Two. Good, 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 good. Good, 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 good. How many of you can remember the last time you received a criticism? <laughs> Far more hands, yeah. <laughs> because we concentrate more on the bad than on the good, yeah. Sometimes the bad comes in the form of a threat. And that's for our preservation, our self-preservation. When we sense there's a threat, we have this ability given to us by God to focus in on that threat, and until that threat's neutralized, we are keyed on it, fixated on it. It's a bear, right? Right? And we fix ourselves and our attention on it until the threat is neutralized, and then we go back to a reset. 
we have this tendency for our own self-preservation to focus on the bad. Mm -hmm. But again, what happens when you focus only on the bad? You lose sight of the good. You lose sight of the, the grandeur of our glorious God. You lose sight of what administration he's undertaking in your given situation. You overlook and you pretend or at least begin to believe that God's not even within miles of me. I'm out here alone. I'm threatened. I'm doomed. Nothing ever goes right. Nothing ever works out right. Nothing ever happens the way it ought to. But if you examine those statements, they reveal that we've fixated our minds on that which is wrong and bad. And the thing that delivers us out of that conundrum is refocusing the mind, wrestling the heart to come back to God and note who he is and that he's certainly up to something good in our life. And so God repeatedly reminds us, in everything give thanks. Somebody says, well, Brother McCray, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Okay. Okay. Let me say now, you're here tonight. Hmm, that seems you're something to be thankful for. I mean, not the whole world gets to hear me preach. <laughs> That's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> not a reason to be thankful. <laughs> Joking. But you came tonight. I, I, I'm willing to say you drove a car to get here. I'm willing to say you left a home to get here. I'm willing to say you enjoyed a measure of safety and protection to get here. I'm willing to say there are people who contribute to your life every single day in generous ways. I'm willing to say that you do have reason to be thankful. Are you willing to cultivate that attitude of gratitude? I'm challenging you to see the need for it. You see, the entire atmosphere in your in your internal person, your inner man, your, your inner being, in the internal climate of you has the potential of being transformed by becoming a person of thanksgiving to God. Do, do you understand that? Um, am I okay, preacher? Yeah. Some of you, you, you already got this down. You, you come around, you, you touch bases with folks, and, and before, you, before they can say, hey, good, that you're already praising or thanking or appreciating something that they did or said or something that you appreciated about them, you're already doing it. And what does that do with your relationships? What if, what if, what if, let's change that scenario I have with my wife. Sweetheart, are you ready again to go through this? Brace yourself. You got my vittles, woman. And she's got my vittles this time. I dig in. I said, boy, those beans are good, girl. Those are good beans. My goodness, that bread is, that cornbread is so good it'll make you slap your mama. Oh, that sweet tea, I could just sip on that all day long. Nobody makes it like you, sweetheart. You're the best. I bet you that our relationship would be sweetened by that kind of behavior. Just expressing thanks to her. Are we all right? Amen? 
If I keep beating up on her and keep beating up on her and making her think she's inadequate, I might just drive her to quitting. Walking out the door and saying, I, I, I can't make you happy, man. I'm, I'm done with you. Are you understanding me? If you keep pounding on them, keep diminishing them, keep putting them down, keep finding what's wrong with them and letting them know real loud and clear what's wrong with them, you're going to drive them away. They're children who don't even want to talk to their parents anymore because their parents lamblasted them and judged them so harshly again and again and again and again that they failed to acknowledge the qualities and traits and strengths in the child. They failed to even note them to develop them. Thanksgiving goes a long ways, beloved. That's what I'm implying here. Do you see it? Do you see it? Let me get back to my text. In everything, give thanks. In everything, everything, give thanks, the scriptures say. In everything. Now, let me make a distinction that is necessary. It's already in your mind, I know. Say, so, well, Brother McCray, are we to give thanks for everything? And some disagree with me on this, I know. But I don't believe we should give thanks for everything. I, be I believe we should give thanks to God in everything, but not necessarily for everything. Let, let me give you a, thing, a few couple of things here. Just think about Meditate on it with me, if you would, please. COVID-19, I'm not thankful for COVID. I'm not thankful for the lives that are threatened or the lives that have been lost to COVID. I'm not thankful for the jobs that have been lost because of shutdown. Are you following? I'm not thankful for any of that. Are you hearing me? So what can you be thankful for with regard to that, Brother McCray? That God is our hope still. That he'll get us through it still. That he is our refuge still. Amen? Can you imagine weathering this without him? Mm. Your Bible teaches with great clarity, beloved, repeatedly, that we are to give thanks for the Lord and his administration, his work in our lives. There are many things in this life we cannot be thankful for. I look at abortion and the fact that 50 million babies' lives have been taken before their birth. I say to myself, I'm not thankful for that. That's, that is criminality, barbaric criminality at its highest, legalized in our country. I'm not thankful for that. You see, we have no obligation, beloved, to be thankful for sin or its consequences. We have no obligation to do that. So it's not that we're thankful for everything. I'm giving you examples that does, that does not fit. What we are to be thankful for is that the Lord is still with us. The Lord is still active. The Lord can still save. The Lord can still transform lives. The Lord can still correct the wrongs. The Lord can still bring about justice. The Lord can still operate even in a wicked and contrary circumstance. That's what I'm thankful for in all things. Amen. So Hebrews 13 and verse 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. There's something I've implied in this message all along. 
Can I spell it out real quick? Pastor, please help me with this. When it comes to being thankful and cultivating gratitude, there must be a basis for this that is unchanging and solid and that is truly rooted in the very nature and character of God. That truth is the fact that God is indeed a sovereign God. He is. Listen to me carefully. God can do what he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants, however often he wants, and he does not require you and my permission. Let me make a clear statement. Brother McCray, are you Calvinistic? Nope, I'm not. I'm not. Just biblicist is what I choose to be. Just believe the Bible. How else can you come away from Romans 8 and 28 with encouragement without believing that? Amen? <laughs> the verse doesn't work except God be in control. The verse doesn't work except God be the administrator overall. That he's literally leading all of this to an end that he has determined. And it can't be canceled. Amen? Beloved, with that belief, with that reality, God's administration, God's providential care, God's maintenance of this world, God's watch care over you and me, all of that gives rise to a hope. God brings and gives life to that hope and brings it to reality. Amen? In that, I can give thanks. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you're in control, and I'm not, and nobody else is. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let me hurry and finish here and give you the last one. Gratitude is God's plan for his children. It is his plan for his children. First, we said, gratitude is giving God thanks and praise. Secondly, we said gratitude should be expressed in all circumstances. Thirdly, let's say quickly, gratitude is God's plan for his children. The reasoning is God prescribes gratitude for all believers. Look at your passage again, 1 Thessalonians 5. Look with me at verse 18 once more. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's God's plan for his children. He prescribes this for you and me. You see, God knows that we need to focus on him and his activity, his administration. He knows we need a different focal point. He is that proper focal point. And when we acknowledge who he is, when we acknowledge what he is doing, we have reason to give thanks. It gives rise to giving thanks as unto him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it hurts the heart of God when we are ungrateful? You know the answer to that. Remember the ten lepers? Yeah. Jesus healed all ten of them. Sent them to the high priest, if I recall, to make offerings. And the priest would declare them clean. Yeah. Noting that a miracle had transpired. Leprosy was pretty much a fatal thing. 
what Jesus told them to do. Sent them all ten away. There was a Samaritan in that bunch. He came back. He fell on his face before the Lord Jesus. And he gave glory to God and thanked Jesus for healing his body. That's what he did. Jesus certainly was appreciative and delighted in this one stranger that returned. But he says, were there not ten healed from leprosy? Where are the nine? Where are they? Ponder that. Jesus makes this incredible, vulnerable statement expressing his hurt, expressing the pain of going unappreciated after doing such an extraordinary, life-changing miracle. It hurt him, preacher. It broke his heart. His words, were there not ten? He sees the stranger. Where are the nine? Where are they? Oh, beloved. I, I know life can be hard. I get it. I know life is unfair. Nobody ever said it would be. I know there's a lot of bad to captivate us and garner all of our attention. But God's still on the throne. He's still working all things together. You're good. He gives rise to hope in this broken world. Acknowledge that. Don't take his goodness for granted. I'm taking that to heart. several times in my life where I took this to heart and mean it. Nowadays when I pray, my wife's right there. I go into prayer and the first thing I'm doing is thanking God for who he is. There are times I clear off space and just tell him what I think about him. Lord, you're Lord, you're so faithful to us. Lord, you provide for us. Lord, you encouraged my heart with that pastor. Lord, you gave me hope with that pastor. Lord, that wife you gave me, she is a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for her. Lord, the sweet daughter you gave, thank you for Crystal. Lord, I got a Bible. 
Lord, I've got ten Bibles. I've got two of them in my RV. Other ones are stored up. I've got your word. God, you gave me your spirit. I'm thankful. Amen. It seems like such a small thing but it can make a monumental difference. And the climate in the Christian's heart and the Christian's relationships and certainly in our acknowledgement of how good God is. It's time for me to sit down come sir as we pray Father God we thank you for your word Lord sometimes our first instinct is to complain seemingly we focus on all the wrong things Lord and we ignore the goodness and the hope and the blessings and the privileges and protection and love that you generously and Oh, God, forgive us. Change us. Help us tonight to make decisions, to practice the attitude of gratitude by noting and giving thanks for your actions, for your attention, for your administration, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Pastor.